Let me ask you a question. What will mark, when you look back on 2014, what will mark it in your mind, in your memory? What, what will mark it the most for you when you say, let's see, 2014, that was when what? Now, I'm going to guess that for a whole lot of us, you might remember some of those things, but probably the, the, you, the thing that you will remember most, the thing that will mark it most for you is something that's more personal, something that you encountered, something that it, you, you experienced in your life, in your family, maybe in your job, maybe in your situation. Probably it'll be something that changed really drastically this year. Maybe it was an event that turned your world upside down or changed the direction of your life or a relationship. Maybe it was some kind of an experience that you had. Maybe it was a death that you experienced in your, in your family or the news about disease. Maybe it was an accomplishment that happened in your life or around you. But that's probably for you what will mark this year. You'll think of it in terms of what happened to you. There are seasons and moments in life and in, in the world where there, we have pause a little bit more to take time and reflect that way, to maybe inventory our lives a little bit that way. And traditionally, in our culture and in our world, this is that time of year. We stop and we have New Year's resolutions and we think we have retrospectives and we think about what's happened. We think about where our, our goals were, what we've done and where we're going. And we stop and we evaluate that a little bit. That can happen in your spiritual life too. And there are some people in the room right now who are you're here because that's what's been happening in you maybe recently. You're thinking about where your life is. You're thinking about a new chapter. You're thinking about changes you really feel like might be time to think about or make. There may be a new page you want to turn or some new goals. And part of that has to do with you and God. What He's done in your life. Where you stand with Him. Where your life is going in, in relationship to Him. And so... We think about ways that we can reevaluate and ways that we can restart. And the Bible has some very, very clear ways that can help us do that. That's what we want to do just briefly today. Make today kind of a checkpoint, stopping point to think about 2014 is ending, 2015 is, is ahead of us. When you stop and you think, how, how can you do that? How can you hit the reset button? If we already know, that the New Year's resolutions aren't going to work. We already know that, right? The things you say you're not going to eat anymore, you'll probably eat. The, the exercise you say you'll probably start to do, you'll do for two, three weeks, maybe. And then, you know. So if that doesn't work very well, does God give us anything that helps us to actually hit the reset button that, make, that has an effect on our souls from the inside out that says, this can be a new start. This can be a moment where things change for me. Well, there's a couple ways, just a couple very simple things that the, that the Bible gives us that enable us to do that. And I'm going to look with you, if you've got a Bible, I invite you to look in the book of Psalms with me. Just a handful of uh, verses in the book of Psalms. We're going to start in Psalm 42. And show you a couple others then and just say, okay, so how do you do that? And if, if you're in a position where you are, have at all an interest in doing that, how could that happen today? And here's the first of a, just a couple of words we're going to use today. That, that we can spiritually say, how do I recenter and restart and cleanse myself and go a different direction? And the first word the Bible gives us is the word remember. 
Now, there's a, there's a principle in the Word of God that says that there's a power in remembering, and remembering in particular, remembering where you have seen the hand of God in your past show up in your life. By pausing to remember that God has been faithful, you, it, it, there's something that it charges in us, our spirit that allows us to move forward and be empowered with, by faith to live a due direction with him. So the Bible is constantly telling the followers of God, hey, stop for a minute and remember, the Old Testament was full of festivals and parties, and there was one primary purpose behind it. It was so that everybody would not forget. They would remember what God has done in their lives. You and I tend to focus on, when you were just thinking about 2014, I'm going to guess, a whole lot of us in the room thought of something that we don't like. Something, a, a chapter we wish would close. Pain in our lives. Something that was horrifying or terrible or, or tragic. We can focus and obsess on that. And God says, now step back. If you really want to hit the reset button first, remember something. Remember who God is and remember what he has already done in your life. Remember his faithfulness. This is just in the middle of Psalm 42. And the, and the, the, the psalmist is writing and saying, Things are tough for me, and I'm aching, and I'm concentrating on the tough things. And in verse 3, he says, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where's your God? And then he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God. And there were shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. So he asked himself this question. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, and therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Different places, the checkpoints in his life. The fact that God was there, that God was active, that, that, that He was doing something. He's hurting, but He says, put your hope in God. And the way you do that is by remembering. It's a very famous passage the, the weeping prophet Jeremiah is called because he wept over Jerusalem and how it had left God and how they'd been carried away into exile. And in Lamentations, which the, is the name of one of the books of the Bible, he's lamenting what has happened. But he says this in Lamentations 3, and this ha- includes in it a very famous little phrase that gets used in, in Christian circles sometimes. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering bitterness and the gall i well remember them and my soul is downcast within me yet this i call to mind and therefore i have hope so he's gonna so he knows that things are tough but then a memory hits i call this to mind i remember this and i have hope because of the lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great here's the phrase great is your faithfulness It's an old hymn that gets sung about that. We have versions of it that we've done around here. Great is your faithfulness. In Psalm 126, it it says, you don't have to turn there, but if if you look, it talks about there's joy attached to remembering. When you don't don't know why you're experiencing what you do or you're focused on the tough stuff, when you remember God's faithfulness, it can be a fuel to joy in your life. So I have an exercise to ask you, invite you to. In fact, you can do it right now. If you have a program with you, you can just turn on to the back where it says notes. All right? And if you don't have that and we ran out, did we run out of them today? Okay. We, we, um, 
you can, you can just write this down. I, I want to invite you to think about 2014 right now. And if you have a pen, write down the first thing that comes to your mind, or maybe there's a list of them. They say, God did this in my life. God did this in 2014. Would you just pause for a moment? Just think about that. God did this. It could be something where a time where he protected you. It might be a time where you didn't know where the provision was going to come from, but it came. It might be that, that you made progress in an area of your life. When you think about it 12 months ago and you think about that thing you wanted to change or see God do, and you saw it lessen its grip on you, and you say, hey, God was in that. It might be a time there was an intervention that happened in your life. God brought the right person or the right circumstance or the right provision at the, at the right time and it rescued a situation for you that could have gone far worse. It might be that there was a healing that happened or continued in this past year over something that was, has been devastating in your life. Maybe he brought back a hope of something, a broken relationship or, or hope for the future, or a vision. Maybe he gave you a new vision for where your life could go in this year. Maybe in this calendar year, all you know is he's kind of been drawing you closer to himself. What is it for you? You know that if you actually write it down, the, the Bible actually has times about inscribing what God has done. There is an effect that, that can have on your soul. We make fun of it sometimes where we say, oh, count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, there's old hymns. See what God has done. Yeah, I could do that. That sounds like a nice kind of churchy type of thing to do. But you know what? There is a power that comes when God calls us to stop. Just stop what you're doing and remember the faithfulness of God in your life. If you were to turn to the person next to you right now and say, this is how God has been faithful, what would you say? Stop. Think about it. And when you do, that can have an effect It restores your perspective. It gives you a sense of awareness that the God who you may have felt like has been far off or unattainable or or unapproachable, he's actually been around. He has done things in you, perhaps. What it can do is it can renew your hope. Because this is true. God has been faithful to you. Scripture says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. God has been faithful to me in many, many, many ways. Most of which I don't even stop to acknowledge. But he has been present. He has been active. He's been faithful. Remember, and it resets the table for what's coming in the future. I got, I got another R word for you, just a very simple one. And the next one is to reset. You re- remember, and then you reset. Now, some of you may consider doing what they call a a dietary cleanse as you go into January. Anybody ever done a cleanse? Just come on, be honest. Have you done a cleanse? Okay, a handful of people have done a cleanse before. All right, and and, and this is what uh, real high-power experts like Dr. Oz say about cleanses. We're exposed to harmful substances all the time. They're in our diet, pesticides, microbes, mercury, to name a few, and the very air we breathe. Think these infectants, deodorizers, and the gases related by fresh, released by fresh paint. 
We have a, a system in place to handle those toxins. Enzymes throughout the body are continually breaking down, helping to flush them out. Now, what the concept is, is that when you do a cleanse, you realize there's a whole bunch of gunk that's come into you. Anybody taking a bunch of gunk into your body in the last 10 days? And the concept is that if you can flush that system, if you can clean that system out, you can kind of reset it. You can move yourself towards some sense of health. Now, there's a whole lot of studies that say cleanses don't really do anything. Your body is what does it. So knock yourself out. Give it a shot. If you, I'm not here to talk about whether you should do a cleanse or not physically. But that same concept of cleansing, cleansers for your the soul of you is very very much embedded in the scripture and god has given some very very clear things that have the cleansing effect how do you do that again if it's not by just having a resolution if it's not just based on your willpower are there things that can happen that you can make choices about that can have that effect I'm going to give you three tools God has given us that he says over and over again, this has a cleansing effect. Let me warn you in advance. This is not a two-day cleanse. This is not something you say, oh, you know, it's all going to be better. I'm going to come into January 1 and I won't have the same cravings anymore. I won't have the same tendencies or I won't have the same addictions anymore. But these are instruments of God to reach into our heart and have from the inside out an effect. So you remember what God has done and then you reset that which cleanses your heart. I'll I'll tell you right now what they are. They are the, the Holy Spirit's invitation into your life. Say more about that in a minute. They are the word of God. And, it, and, they, and the third one is the community of heart-to-heart connection with other followers. The Bible, when it talks about that which cleanses us from the inside out, the vast majority of what the Bible talks about that has an effect on transforming us and the tools that God uses have one of those three things mentioned. So if you got your Bible into Psalms, take a look at Psalm 139. Very famous Psalm of David. And he's talking about the work of the God by his spirit, that that God's spirit is active and around and knows us. And in verse seven, he says, verse verse five, he says, you hem me in before and and, uh, behind and before you've laid your hand upon me. It's this amazing knowledge. And then in verse seven, he says, where can I go from your spirit? The Holy Spirit of God, the active agent of God almighty who penetrates into a, a person's life and makes himself available to bring transforming power in a person's life, is involved in this thing. Here's what happens. Here's what has the cleansing effect. Right toward the end of this psalm, which is really worth reading and concentrating on, there's an invitation, a conscious invitation given to the Holy Spirit. Can I stop and say that again? Because I don't want this to be religious speak today. The act is... A conscious invitation. A person directly gives an invitation to God's spirit to do something. Here's what that invitation uh, comprises. Verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Now stop for a minute. God already knows what's in your heart, right? He knows you. He, didn't we just read, he, you know me inside and out? 
God knows everything you've done, every, any, every problem you've got, every tendency you've got. He knows your dust, the Bible says. What, what happens when I do that? There is something really important that happens in the soul when a conscious invitation is given to God to say, by your spirit, I'm opening up my heart. I'm giving you permission. Show me what's there. Search me and, and show, me, show me what might be need addressed. Can I tell you that that's not an easy exercise to do? Chances are, if you even, I say this sometimes around here, I dare you to do it right now. You just say to God's spirit, right where you sit, no one's listening, no one can hear your thoughts. You say to him, God, if I open up my, my life and my heart, what would you show me that's, that is my, my, an offensive way in me? You know what? You will not want to hear it. Now, this, it's not going, it's not saying here that you do that and it'll solve everything. But what this, it has an effect on my soul when I do this. There's a release of my will on this. And that, the part that I block off from letting anybody teach me about, anybody point out that's difficult in me, if I do that with God and he exposes it, that act by itself has a cleansing effect on me. You do that just by saying, God, would you show me what it is? And when he does, all you just say is, ugh, I'm sorry, ugh. Yes, you just agree with him, even if you haven't taken the full steps of repentance, which we hope will follow. Just the fact of asking for that to be exposed brings a cleansing effect from God. By opening up and saying, I recognize and agree with you, it's a cleanser. From the inside, the Holy Spirit does that. Here's the thing. Does that happen regularly, consistently? You're going to see when we, when we finish with these three things that this is not just a one-time deal. Here's the second of them. So, uh, if you go back in the Psalms to Psalm 119, every verse in, the, in Psalm 119 includes a reference to the Word of God and its power in our lives. How do you reset? First, there's, a, there's an exercise of inviting, conscious, repeating invitation to the Holy Spirit. The second one is exposure of my soul to the Word of God. There is something different about this collection of sayings than there is any other in, in mankind. This is the Word of God. It is the expression of God. It's the instrument of God. The Bible, it says about itself that there's something about what is in what God has said that has a power it's alive, it says. When it penetrates into your heart, it can, it can separate out your soul from your spirit. It can tell you your motives and the, the thoughts and intents of your heart. And there's a cleansing effect that comes simply by being exposed to it. Look at Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person keep their way pure? That's a question it'd be good to know. How can a person keep their way pure? And I, I'm sorry, but you may not... You don't have to be a young person to ask that question. But what, what's a way to do that? Here is what it is. It's by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. And verse 11 says, here's what I've done. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's an effect that a conscious repeating flow of God's word into a life does something to us. Now, it's not magic words, it's not just, be, it, but it's if your heart is exposed, not just your eyes. You can read these words and them not have any effect, but if you open your heart to them, you expose your heart to them, and let it just flood in, something happens. 
Some of the people I, I, who, who know the Bible best in my life, that I've seen who know the Bible best, who, who when they're in any circumstance, it seems like they know what God says about it and they can almost quote it. They are not the people I went to seminary with. They're not. Not people who made a career out of studying the Bible. It's people who simply just said, I'm going to let it wash over me over and over again. They don't even know they're learning it. They don't even know they're memorizing it. And the next thing you know, it's coming out. You probably have met people like that. Some of you are in cell group with people like that. It's amazing to watch. It doesn't happen instantly. It doesn't happen because they took a six-week course. It happens because a regular recurring flow happened where they said, in my life, I'm just going to open my heart and let God's word just kind of cascade over it. You don't even have to understand it all. There will be enough in there. And, and sure, study, sure, learn, sure, get tools and helps. But allow the fact that God has said, this is life, this is my heart. It has an effect just simply by being in its presence, opening your heart and letting it come over you. It's the conscious repeating flow of that that happens. The third one, okay, you've got the Holy Spirit being invited to expose my heart. You've got the Word of God being washing over my life. And the third one is the community of heart-to-heart connectivity that you find with God's people. Now, I'm going to show you a passage in Hebrews 10 that we use around here all the time. But this references other other sections of the Bible too. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10. Let's draw near to God. Okay, so so that's that's the context of this. Something that could connect me with a sincere heart. So if that is any... Anything like the desire of your heart. If, if right now, at the end of 2014, you're saying, you know what I wish would be true among my goals and hopes for 2015 would be that something would be true between my heart and God. There would be a sincere connection there that hasn't been or that it would improve. He, that's the context. So let's do that. Let's draw near to God with a sincere heart, having full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled. And here, see that word to cleanse us? So there's, there's a reference to going directly with God and opening our hearts to Him there. He, he cleanses us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That analogy is getting used over and over again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we, prof- we profess for He who promised is faithful. And in the same context, this passage gets used that we use a lot around here. And let's think carefully through this. Let's consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. All the more as you see the final day coming, as it approaches. Being in connectivity with other people whose hearts are being opened to God and His Word, something happens. It's not magic, but it is a little mystical. It is a little spiritual. That people who are flesh and blood, who are sinners and fallen, who are carriers of the Holy Spirit, when they get together, it's why we are a cell-based church. It's why we push it all the time around here to say something happens when you are in authentic, heart-to-heart, open-hearted connectivity with other people. You know what happens? God, by His Spirit, uses, energizes human beings in each other's lives as His representation. The grace and truth that gets dispensed become the, the carriers of God's. That does not happen apart from people making a conscious decision to say, I'm going to connect. I'm going to be aligned. I'm going to have people in my life who are the representation of Jesus Christ. When that happens, now here's, here's what's true about 
about that dynamic. And you know this if you're around here. You can get together six times, eight times with the same people. You can gather and pray in the name of Jesus. You can pursue each other. And you can go, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know. What did that do? I don't know. And then a moment comes. Maybe it's a moment of crisis. Maybe it's a moment of clarity. Maybe it's a moment of pain. Something happens. And suddenly it ignites. And those people become some of the most important people in your life. Not because they're so great. Simply because they have been the carriers of God in your life. That doesn't happen because you just show up when you need it. It happens because we are regularly, recurrently placing our hearts in a place where that happens. All three of these things have to do with your heart. If we want to hit the reset button and ask God to bring cleansing into our lives then being regularly, recurringly opening our heart to say to the Holy Spirit, search me, check me out, expose what you see in me. That confession of the heart, opening our heart to God's word to say, let it pour over me. Let me see and read and consider what he has to say that affects my life. And putting my heart regularly in the context of community, that has an effect. When I was a kid one time, I had a bike wreck and and I, I fell over and, and scraped, the whole side of my leg got really, really scraped up. It was really nasty and there was little pieces of like gravel and stuff and dirt in there. And I went to home and, and, I, you know, my, and I was trying to be a you know, big shot about it. And like, it does, it's fine. I'm going to put dirt on it. It'll shake it off. My mom said, no, we've got to clean that out. And she got the peroxide, which is like death when you're a little kid. You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're actually like boiling my leg like you pour that stuff up and it literally boils stuff up and the pain is excruciating and i and she was trying to do it she was dabbing on and it was working it was a huge area and it's fun, and i said this no 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 and finally we stopped and she goes well, forget it forget it go get your stuff this is in the summer go get your stuff we're going to the pool what we're going to the pool get your stuff we're going to the pool i get my stuff we go to the pool now i'm not recommending this okay i don't I don't know that this was the smartest thing for the sake of all the other people in the pool. She just said, boys, go in the pool. Just swim to your hearts. I just, we're just going to be an hour here at the pool. We're just, and we, we went to the pool. I went in. I started playing. I forgot all about the injured leg. And then I got out of the pool. And she said, take a look at your leg. And it was all clean. Like there were no rocks left. There was no pus. Sorry. It was magic. And so now, when I get an injury, I go to the pool. <laughs> Dispense of all that stuff so all the people in the other lanes can get it on them. That's what I figure. I mean, I just magic. All I knew at the time was I went in to the pool, exercised, and it was gone. Okay, bad analogy, but let me tell you what. They, there's an effect that God's instruments have on your soul. You don't notice it at the time. You simply regularly expose your heart to a handful of things. And it has this effect. The the words that get used about these three things are often coupled with phrases that actually show that they are not just one time, they're repetitive. Like, for instance, Colossians chapter 3. The second of those things, the Word of God. It says, let the Word of Christ, and the phrase gets used, dwell in you richly. You know what that phrase means? It means allow it to continue to develop and bubble up in your life. That implies that you don't just read it and put it away. It means there's a regular recurring practice of opening your heart to the word of Christ. 
And then it says, and while that's going on, as you teach and admonish each uh, one another with all wisdom. That's the third one. There's this regular practice. It's, it dwells in you richly. In Colossians 3, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing there means a regular recurring practice of it changing, transforming. You put that into practice and it has an effect. One of my favorite phrases to hear around the house when we have had some baked thing or there's, you know, there's stuff to do or, or the stuff, it's all, you know, you get certain foods that just stick to the plate and it's like concrete and then you're supposed to clean off the plates or you're washing the stuff and I was like, oh, I got to dig and I got, and my wife will just stop, she'll go, just say, no, 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 let it soak. I love let it soak because let it soak means I can go watch football right now. And this amazing thing happens where you just fill it up, kind of put the water in and later on you come out and stuff that Junk just comes right off. Who knew? Let it soak is is the phrase that I just, especially when it's, when the playoffs are on. Okay, now it's soaked. Let's go, no, no, I'm just going to let it soak. If it soaked a little earlier, it can soak some more. We'll just, the more soaking, the better. Here is the practice spiritually for us. That there is a wonder and 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 an effect that comes with spiritual letting it soak. Spiritual rinsing. That the that there is a consistent repeating flow of this that restores. I got I got I'm going to show you, um, little, just a little experiment, okay? And I just in order to do that, I need to sh- I need to walk out here, in, into the lobby, okay? Now, you might have seen this in fifth grade science. Can you see me? Oh, look, I'm here and here. Okay. So it, so you might have learned this in fifth grade science. You might have never seen it. But there's this very, there's a simple principle and an exercise you can do. That if you are, um, where we go? Oh, here we go. You, you got a, uh, a jar of like really nasty stuff, okay? Or something that's really discolored. It's dark. And you say, okay, how do you get rid of that? What does it take to do that? This is going to be very simple. I'm going to put it in the sink. I'm going to do nothing to it other than just turn the water on. Just going to turn the water on and let it go for a minute. I'm not bringing soap to it. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not scrubbing it. I'm not dumping it out. All I'm doing is inserting something new into it. Here's what the principle of what God's word says. God, when he want, if you want to reset your life, if you want to say, how do I clear this gunk up? You can try a couple of things. You can look and you go, well, is it working? Eh, I don't know. You try something for a week. You try something for two days. You, may, you probably won't see any effect. But here's what God has to say. In order to reset your life, not only remember what he's done for you in the past and know that he's faithful, but know that he'll be faithful if just a handful of things get introduced into your life. Right now, at, at the end of 2014, where you're living, as you go, as you say, I want my life to maybe look differently in this next year. You put those simple things into effect on a regular basis. You introduce the purity of saying to God, my spirit is open to you. Would you seek, would you search me? Would you see what there is in me? And I will confess it to you. Would you expose that to me? Do, if you do that, not just today, but on a regular recurring basis, if you take the word of God and you say, I'm just going to simply get in the habit of letting it pour over my life. I'm going to open my heart to it and let what he has to say, just filter through it 
have an effect on that. You do that on a regular recurring basis. You do it one day or two days, you might say, I don't notice anything difference. But you just simply make that part of your lifestyle. And then you say, I'm going to be part of, I'm going to commit myself to be part of an exchange where the souls of people are brought together. People who have been touched and changed by Christ. People who allow him, him to, to flow through them. I'm going to be connected. And I'm going to let them see my heart. I'm going to invite them into it. I'm going to, we're going to ad, encourage one another, like the scripture says. We're going to challenge one another. In the name of God, we're going to do that. All that does is just keeps the flow going in your life. Just keeps you moving. It just, it, it, even if you don't do anything else to displace it, something happens. When, you get, when you've done that for a while, it has an effect. And everything else that was discolored, everything else that was impure, finds itself dislodged in your life. What's left is more and more purity, more and more cleansing, more and more of an effect that will change you so that 2015 looks a lot different than 2014. You like that? Is that good? Huh? Let's hear it because I can hear you. Come on. Okay, thank you. All right. And I got seasoned in science. Today, we decided to do communion. And isn't it funny that um, when Jesus Christ set up the memory of his death for his followers, there were a couple things that were absolutely true about that. About why he asked us to do that. Here, you know, communion is, is not a... It wasn't ever established to be a ritual of the church. It's a common practice. Jesus was with his followers the day before he was going to be killed for their sins. And he said, I'm going to find a way for you to, for you to understand something. He says, this is the last, he, they, they have a dinner together. They, they have something that people do every day of their lives, pretty much. He found a common practice. They eat and they drink and they do that together. He'd been doing that with them for three years. And he said, this is the last time I will eat or drink with you until we eat and drink together in my Father's kingdom, he said. Until that time comes, he said, I want you to do something. I want you to have a moment where regularly you pause and you eat and you drink, and it becomes a symbolic statement about this fact that I am not physically with you right now. The reason I'm not physically with you at that moment is because... This will be the symbol that shows you that this body that's in front of you right now is going to be sacrificed. It's going to be broken. The blood that's coursing through the life blood is going to be shed to cover your sins. And the fact that I'm not with you in that moment is your reminder. Remember what the first part of this was? Remember. This is what uh, 1 Corinthians 11 says. I received from the Lord that which I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. The next phrase, he says, Do this in remembrance of me. Does the same thing with the cup. Passes around, says, Drink from it. It says, When you do this from this point, as often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And it says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's, he established this for, uh, to be a practice for us, to do a couple things. One is to remember, to say that Jesus Christ is absolutely alive. 
Jesus, at this moment, Jesus Christ is preparing a place in heaven. He is the Lord of all. He is the risen Son of God. He is alive. He's the Master. He's the Savior of the world. But He is not physically here with us because He sacrificed that body, rose from the dead, and went to ascended to heaven. And when we eat and drink together now, He says, break the bread, let it symbolize my broken body, and do this, remember my faithfulness, remember my provision. And then... Paul the Apostle writing for God says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And, the re- and so what he invites people to do is open your heart. Reset it. Take this opportunity to invite God's Spirit to examine yourself. Both components are in the communion that God has established for us. This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. And here's how we'll do it. Um, we're, you're going, uh, Bryn's going to play a little bit on the, on the piano. I'm, just, I'm going to give thanks for what we're going to do. And then you, but, but before we do that, I'm going to invite you to just have a moment. Maybe you came in today not thinking about this next year, not thinking about where you are, but perhaps God's nudging at you. This is a chance for you to reset the table. This is a chance for you to examine yourself. So we'll pause for just a few seconds and allow you to do business with God. Maybe you need for the first time in a long time to say, Holy Spirit, search me. Maybe you need to say, there's some things I need to confess. There's some stuff I need to clear out and acknowledge. Let the water of of God's purity wash in and cleanse you. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Then I'll give thanks. And then the music will play, and we'll invite you when you're ready. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this is not for you. Please just hang out. Just, in, just be with us while we do this. But if you are acknowledged and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior, I'm asking Him to work in my life, we invite you then. You've got tables there, there, and there. Go to the table when you're ready over the next few minutes after that. Tear off a piece of bread. Pick, uh, pick up a cup, and if you would, take it back to your seat. Maybe prayerfully think about what you're doing, and then we'll all partake of it together. Would you start with me right now? And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head and just let, let it be you and God. He's been speaking to you. He's stirring in your heart. You want to just recenter. You're invited now for these next few moments just to express your own heart quietly where you are with him.